The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. You know what is so funny to me is I get so darn excited to sit down and record these episodes. Like, I'm sitting here in my pajamas. I've never been more comfortable. I have my pretzel blanket on. I have my yellow slippers on. I got my coffee. Like, I am ready to go. And then I have this weird moment where I realize, Taylor, you're about to sit down and talk to yourself for an hour and there is nobody here to listen to you. And that's a little bit concerning. That's a little bit weird on a lot of levels. And you know what's even weirder is that I'm okay with that. Wait, you've got to be kidding me. Let's get this untwisted. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Don't Get It Twisted, which is the weirdest and coolest thing to be saying repetitively, because that means that this is actually the real deal. I am not dreaming. Somebody is not about to pinch me because even if I am dreaming, I don't want to wake the heck up because I am so happy to be recording this podcast. So thank you so much for tuning in. I hope that you really enjoyed the first episode. I also just want to extend an extremely grateful thank you to every single one of you because I was so overwhelmingly joyful after receiving the feedback from you all on my first episode. I could not have dreamed up a more positive response. And I was just in awe for like the last 72 hours because you just never know how these things are going to go. And you can put all of your heart and your passion into something and people might absolutely hate it. They might absolutely love it. But I'm so grateful for every single one of you. Um, now let's just hope I don't disappoint you all with the subsequent episodes <laughs> because now I feel like a little bit of pressure, but you know what? That's where you grow. That's where you push yourself. I'm outside of my comfort zone. That's how we are learning, baby. And on that note, if you do have any suggestions for anything that you want to see in future episodes, if you have ideas for topics that you would love to suggest to me, honestly, feedback even, literally anything, please let me know. You're always welcome to DM me on Instagram. My handle is at Taylor Woods with two L's. Or if you'd like, you can also send me an email for the podcast. The email address is hello at twistypod.com. So that's a really easy way of getting in touch with me. And I believe also you can send me messages on my anchor page, anchor.fm slash don't get it twisted. I'm pretty sure I said that in the last episode, but just reiterating myself. Also, I had this really funny moment with my friends the other night where I said something out loud and they're like, oh yeah, like you mentioned that in your podcast. And I was like, no, I didn't. What are you talking about? But I must black out in some ways when I'm recording because truly I think I record my podcasts or my YouTube videos. I edit them, I publish them, and then all of a sudden it's white from my mind. It's like when you're taking a test or you're studying for two weeks up until the test and then when you take the test, you've got all the information in your brain and truly half an hour later you cannot remember who signed the Declaration of Independence. I think there was a lot of people that signed the Declaration of Independence, but you know what I'm saying. So that's basically how I feel. So I apologize if I repeat myself, but sometimes it just helps to get the little point across. If you're listening to this, then obviously you've found a way to listen to my podcast. But there were a lot of you that reached out to me asking if these episodes could be published to YouTube. I know that's a really easy way for people from all countries to access this content. So yes, I have gone ahead and done that. I made a YouTube channel for this podcast specifically. It's called Don't Get It Twisted 
podcast. You can just type it into the YouTube search and it should pop up. I've been uploading all of the previous episodes as if there's so many. (laughs) But you can go ahead and go subscribe to that channel just so there's a little bit more support on there and then I can continue to create more content for you all. Speaking of YouTube, that is exactly what we are going to be tackling today. And this topic, holy guacamole, I could talk about YouTube for the rest of my life, and nobody probably wants to hear everything that I have to say, but there is a lot, and I want to try and condense everything down in a way that will be helpful for you or just maybe insightful and actually interesting, but I'm sure even after this episode, there will be so many more things that I will want to cover, so if there are still questions that you felt like I didn't get to cover, please know that there will be more episodes on YouTube, but I don't want to make a three hour long podcast and I want you to actually find this information useful. But I have a really interesting origin story, or at least I think it's kind of comical looking back on it. And I <laughs> I hadn't thought about it in a really long time until I was kind of thinking about this episode. And <laughs> it's, it's honestly really, really funny to think back on because, oh my golly, I was just in such a different headspace then. I have touched on this briefly before, but... I have always wanted to start a YouTube channel for most of my life. And to be quite honest, I was pretty embarrassed to want to do any of those things when I was still in high school, still in college, because the thought of like making a YouTube video and then walking into class the next day, having to sit around my peers while they (laughs) may have watched my video just sounded like the most mortifying part of my entire life. So I really... (laughs) strongly avoided that, which is a little bit why I started my channel after I graduated from college. But I graduated college and I moved across the state. So I I went to college on the east side of Washington and I moved to the west side of Washington right after I was finished with school. And I was really excited about it because this was kind of where a lot of the students from my college lived. This is where they grew up. So I thought that there was going to be a lot of people out here with me. And it was just obviously like a new chapter to your life. You're like, how the heck am I supposed to adult? What does that even mean? So I was really, really nervous, but also just filled with excitement. And I think I do this to myself a lot, but I came out here with really high expectations. And a lot of times when you set extremely high expectations for yourself, you're almost setting yourself up for disappointment. And I hate to admit that because I'm just an optimistic person in general, but it's really true because if you think about something constantly, 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 and you've got all of these expectations in your head and you kind of have this like built up adrenaline about how amazing it's going to be, whether or not it truly is amazing, it's probably going to fall short to whatever idea or ideal you had built up in your head. So that was my downfall number one. I came over to Seattle. I had all these high expectations and it just felt like the city itself, if I if I want to put blame on something, I'm just going to put it on the city because it's easier to find an escape that way. It just wasn't as fun as I wanted it to be. And I was having a really hard time just meeting people because the Seattle freeze is a real freaking thing. So I had a pretty good summer. Like looking back, I had a really fun time, but it just felt like there was a part of me that was missing. And I think if I can really pinpoint it to something, it was the fact that I had never in my life just done one thing. And what I mean by that is I had never in my life just gone to school. I'd never in my life just gone to work. I was always playing sports. I was always in extracurriculars. I was always just keeping my days, my nights, my mornings, whatever, so darn busy. And looking back, maybe that was a good thing. Maybe it wasn't, but it was the first time in my life when I was literally just going to work. And it felt like my whole life was just revolved around work. And even though everything was okay, I still had this disappointment in my mind that I just could not shake. I finally decided 
that what I needed to do for myself was to put myself first. And that was something I really hadn't done for a majority of my life, but I was like, something's wrong here. And I didn't know what it was, but I just needed a hobby back. I needed something to do that was going to take my mind away from the monotonous routine I'd gotten myself into. So I don't exactly remember how YouTube had popped into my mind, but it was something I think that my subconscious was kind of toying with. And there was this one day when I was at work and a lot of times I would walk around the city during my lunch break because it was just a nice way to get outside. And if you know anything about Seattle, you might know that people do whatever they can to get outside in the summertime because you're just trying to soak up as much vitamin D as possible. So here I was walking down the city streets of Seattle and I'm obsessed with coffee. A lot of you probably know that by now, but I just try and go to as many different coffee shops as I can. So I'm walking down the street and I'm like, you know what? I want my afternoon coffee pick me up. So I find a different coffee shop that I'd never been to before. I walk inside, I order my drink and I walk over to where I'm about to pick up my order and I catch sight of this ginormous bulletin board that's covering the entire wall. And I feel like a lot of coffee shops have these, but most of the time, like I don't pay attention or maybe I'm just not interested in looking at the bulletin board. But Again, I'm in Seattle, I'm wanting to meet people, I'm wanting to make friends, and I'm the kind of person that's like, hey, there's this community-sponsored event, let's all go, everybody. Like, (laughs) I love finding those kinds of events, I think they're fun, I think they're hilarious, and this is the origin story of my YouTube channel, so it's very important. I come across this sign that in ginormous letters says, Italian Fest, and I'm a little bit obsessed with everything Italian. Uh, I even hate talking about this because I just sound like an obnoxious person, but I studied abroad in Italy. I learned the Italian language for one semester and thought I was fluent. Like, I just really like anything Italian. (laughs) I love pizza. I'm kidding. That's so stupid. (laughs) But anyways, I love everything Italian. And one of my only friends in the city also studied abroad with me in Italy. So my first instinct is holy shit, we need to go to this Italian fest together. So I send her a picture of the bulletin board. I'm like, are you down? Let's go to this Italian fest. Let's hang out in Seattle. We're going to have the best day ever. And simultaneously, I got this little twinkle in my head. And I don't really know how or why, but I was like, this is it. This is literally it. I am going to vlog this Italian fest. It's going to be the coolest thing ever. It is the perfect first video for my YouTube channel. Everybody's going to love it. I'm going to be the Italian girl. I'm finally going to start my YouTube channel. Booyah. First video down. Come at me. Now, looking back and even sharing this idea out loud just makes me feel like a little bit of an idiot. But you know what? I was so, I was so excited. And that's kind of the point in the fun of the story because I was just finally ready to start my YouTube channel, all thanks to this wonderful Italian fest. So at this point, it's like the middle of September. The Italian fest is at the end of the month. I have a few weeks to gear up for the first filming of my YouTube channel. And holy heck, did I want to be prepared. I was all of a sudden just going to have this full flesh YouTube channel. So pretty much like that day or the next day, I was like, Keith, We're going to Best Buy. We're going to the store. I'm buying everything that I need to start my YouTube channel. And that's pretty much exactly what we did. I went to the store. I think I bought, looking back, just kind of the most random things. But these were, in my mind, the essentials. These were the things that you really needed to be legitimate on YouTube. So just 
Also, mind you, I have literally no idea what I'm doing. I have no idea what kind of videos I want to make. I had no effing idea other than I was going to Best Buy. So we go to Best Buy. We go to like their vlogging section because I'm pretty sure they have like this full fleshed how to start a YouTube channel section now. It's actually kind of really handy. So I end up buying a stand for my iPhone because I was very set on just filming for my phone to begin with, which I still wholeheartedly stand for. But at the same time, my quality was ass because I filmed with my front camera, not my back camera. I also bought a ring light, which is actually the most anti-Taylor thing I could ever think of. I think I would really only use it if the quality of the lighting was absolutely horrendous. I just needed it. But like in regards to my personality, like Taylor plus ring light does not equal compatibility. And then I'm pretty sure the only other thing I purchased was a microphone, which is also kind of like a cute little foreshadowing to this podcast. And honestly, that was actually the best purchase of them all because it's the only one I still use to this day. So the actual outcome of the Italian Fest story is actually the most embarrassing thing ever. And to make a really long story short, you can either go and watch my YouTube video about it. Or I can just tell you right now that the Italian Fest was, oh my golly, how do I even say this politely? It was it was just a big old flop, if I'm being quite honest. And, you know, all the power to the creators of the Italian Fest, I would still absolutely attend for any future festivals. Please let me know. Send me an invite. But the moral of the story, if we're going to look at it from this lens, and here I am putting on my English teacher voice, is that it was not about the Italian Fest whatsoever. The whole fun of it was going downtown with my friends, actually finding the motivation to get started, film my first YouTube video, upload it to YouTube, even though it took me like two weeks to edit because I was so paranoid about it being perfect or not. But I want you to go out there and find your Italian Fest. I want you to look at the things in your life that are literally telling you, begging you to follow your dreams, follow your passions, and finally just do something for you. And I know it feels scary and I know it feels weird to put yourself first and it can feel selfish and you might feel guilty about it even, but I promise you, you will not regret it. And the best part about my Italian Fest was that it allowed me to finally be fully invested in a hobby again, something that I was so darn passionate about. I would spend hours, hours and hours and hours trying to figure out how to market my YouTube channel or how to gain a genuine audience, how to find people that actually would like the content that I'm sharing. Because honestly, if you've heard of sub for sub culture, it's kind of this mechanism that YouTubers will use when they're first starting out on their channel as a way to gain more subscribers. Basically, if you sub to me, I'll sub to you. And it's actually really bad for your channel because it's just going to give you empty subscribers that will unsubscribe from you or not watch your videos and it can be really bad for your channel but I can talk about that a little bit later but the point is is that I was just really focused on trying to find a way to make this work and I actually think it's really cool to look back on because I was working so darn hard because I wanted this to work out so dang badly and also just quickly I think it's important to note I don't think by any means I have quote-unquote made it heck no, but by no means did I ever think I would be where I am at today, right in this moment, right now. Like I literally just found my 2020 dream board and the top thing on the dream board was reaching 1000 subscribers. So I just had no idea that I would be where I am at right now. But especially in the beginning, I was just working day in and day out. 
I mean, I would take the bus to work. I would work the entire way there. I would whip out my laptop, open Final Cut Pro, be editing the entire time. I would use my lunch breaks every single day to continue editing my videos. And then I was editing on the bus ride home. And then I would keep editing all night long until I would just wash and repeat. And it was genuinely just something that I was finally so excited to be doing for myself. And I honestly believe if you put your heart and soul into something, it will pay off for you. But also don't get me wrong, it was still a really slow beginning for me. I mean, I wasn't telling anybody, at least not outright, about my YouTube channel. I mean, I still remember the first time I finally posted a link to one of my YouTube videos on my Instagram story. And I was shaking, first of all. I was absolutely so nervous. I'm pretty sure I posted the story, then threw my phone across the room because I didn't want to look at it. It was almost like you were texting like a cute boy or something. You like, I don't want to know what he's going to say because I was just so dang nervous. And the video I chose to share was so dumb on my part. It was the video where I set my kitchen on fire, which truly was so embarrassing. Believe it or not, I feel like this is weird to say as I'm talking about myself on a podcast, but I really do try to not talk about myself a lot of the time. I think it was finally the first time for me where I was recognizing that it's okay to open myself up to other people because for so long I was always the friend that people would go to when they needed to vent about their problems or people would come and tell me so many things but I got myself dug into a hole when I realized nobody knows a single thing about me because I never share enough about myself. I'm too busy asking questions because I'm so shut off from the world. I'm never sharing anything about myself. <laughs> I feel like I'm sitting over here acting like, woe is me. Like I am Mitchie Torres from Camp Rock. Like, so afraid to tell the world. <laughs> I, I won't break your ears. I'm sorry. I'm going to stop singing. Her name is Mitchie Torres, right? Like, do I need to look this up? Let me just Google Camp Rock Mitchie. Okay, yeah, her name is Mitchie Torres. Michelle Mitchie Torres is the female protagonist of Camp Rock and Camp Rock 2, The Final Jam. Did anybody actually know her name was Michelle? Like, was that ever clarified in the movies? She's a singer and songwriter, as well as a friendly and creative person who attends Camp Rock to hone her musical ability. So see, this is just me. I'm attending Podcast Rock, where I am just honing in my vulnerable abilities. And it's... You know, sometimes I just, I go so far off the rails with my rants. I don't even remember where the track is. Like, I'm going to have to pull up in Google Maps and be like, where the heck is the topic that I was actually talking about right now? Like, I am so lost. Like, Google Earth, come and help me. Where the heck am I? I literally don't remember what I was saying other than Mitchie Torres. So thank you, Taylor, for digging yourself into that hole. Oh my golly. Okay, I think what I was trying to say is that my only regrets with YouTube are just not starting it sooner, not being more open, not being more Taylor initially. And if I could give you any advice, it would just be to just be a little bit more you and not afraid to tell the world what you're about to say. <laughs> I need to stop with the camp rock. So let's get into your questions. I'm also really, really excited because one of you, sweet little Emily, figured out how to send me a voice message, which I didn't even know that I could really do myself. I just thought that was the absolute coolest thing ever. And I wanted to be able to answer her question right here, right now. It's not directly related to YouTube, but I think it is imperative in just being more yourself online and being more confident with who you are. Um, I've just listened to your first episode on your podcast. It was really good, by the way. But I've got a question and how do and is how do I stop 
comparing myself to other people on any social media. My absolute heart just shattered into a million pieces because that was the cutest thing I've ever heard in my life. Thank you, Emily, for taking the time to send me a voice message. First and foremost, let me just say I completely relate to your question. I have always been so comparative, and I think it's something that social media can unfortunately promote a lot of times because like I mentioned in my last episode, it's a highlight reel. It truly is. And it's always going to be that way. And I think it's very important for us as consumers of social media to remember that first and foremost and know that not everything on social media is going to tell us the full story. I actually had a really bad problem with this when TikTok first started to kind of pop off and I was having a really hard time even just scrolling through my For You page because I would go on the app because it kind of felt like that's what everybody was doing. Everybody's obsessed with TikTok, so why should I not go on? And every single time, I would feel terrible about myself. I would leave the app just feeling so down on myself, giving myself the hardest criticism. And it was all stemmed from me just comparing myself to the people that I was seeing on TikTok. You want to go onto social media, you want to go onto Instagram, and you want to see things that are going to make you feel happy. And if you constantly are seeing somebody's account that is just not making you feel good about yourself, unfollow them. I know that doesn't sound like the nicest thing ever, but it's actually been something that I've had to do a lot. And it's really worked for me because I would constantly see these accounts on my page, whether that's TikTok or Instagram, whatever social media platform. And if I was constantly just putting myself down by comparing myself to them, it was never doing anything positive for me in the first place. So I just kind of made this conscious decision to remove it from my everyday feed. And now it's kind of out of sight, out of mind, and I'm feeling a lot better about myself. Another few tips I have are to just try and not use your phone right when you wake up in the morning or right before you're going to go to bed at night because that's just when you're starting your day off and you want to start it out on the right foot and also right before you're going to bed. You don't want to boggle your mind with a whole bunch of thoughts other than just trying to relax and have a peaceful sleep. So those two things also really help me. I also like to spend a few minutes of my day just writing down things that I'm grateful for and whether that's just my health, my ability to have coffee, my ability to to live in an apartment, anything like that, I think reminds me of how grateful I am and the things that I need to be grateful for. And that can honestly humble me in a lot of ways and can help me stop being so comparative and be more grateful for what is sitting right in front of me. There are so many good questions for this week. I actually don't think I'm going to be able to answer all of them. I'm going to try and do my hardest to answer as many as possible, but you know me. I kind of go off on a little bit of tangents. I like that. I don't mind that because sometimes I feel like going off on tangents is good. You get more productive information. But there are so many good questions. I'll definitely be doing another episode on YouTube. I'll also be doing one episode just mainly about the business side of YouTube because so many people have specific questions about that, about how you make money, different income streams, AdSense in general, sponsorships, all of that really interesting stuff that Nobody ever told me about before I started my YouTube channel, and I always wished I had somebody to talk to you about it. So I will absolutely be doing another episode, but today we can just dive into some of the more broad questions, I guess. Okay, great first question. What is the writing or prepping process before recording a video like, or how do you prep in general? If you asked every single creator this exact same question, you're going to get millions of different answers. I think it totally depends on what type of person you are, how you think creatively, because if you think about it, you're a creator. You are creating videos, so you want to do whatever is going to stimulate your creative senses, if you will, the best. (laughs) 
I feel like I've been all over the board before. I feel like sometimes I whip out the camera, press record, and kind of hope for the best, which is not always the best strategy. But for me, sometimes I just will get too in my head. And sometimes the best content is just purely natural and it's not planned. Like right now, obviously, all of these questions are open-ended and I didn't... Reese. I didn't prep answers for any of these questions. So sometimes this is the my favorite part of the show because I get to the show. What am I doing? Sometimes I have to make videos that are a lot more in depth or just there are things that I don't want to forget to say or I just want to make sure I get my point across clearly. So for example, when I made my Chloe Ting review video talking about her Summer Shred 2020 challenge program, I pretty much outlined what I wanted to say in the video, not word for word, but just kind of bullet points so I made sure I wasn't going to forget anything. If you haven't seen my video and you don't know what I'm talking about, basically I reviewed her Summer Shred 2020 challenge and essentially I just didn't have that great of results or the journey wasn't as fun as I wanted it to be. So I was just really honest about that because anytime I'm going to review something, I want it to be my genuine and honest opinion, but I never want to come across as me trying to subtweet somebody or me saying I don't like them because that's just not in my personality. So I really wanted to make sure that whatever I was saying was one constructive. Uh, It was actually going to make sense for you if you were going to be trying this program and my thoughts made sense because they just weren't. They weren't making sense until I had written them all down. So that was an example of me actually writing down a full outline for a video. This is a really good question. How long does it take to create a video? How much time from idea to upload? So again, you would get a different answer based on whomever is answering this. But this is my podcast, so I will answer how I want to answer. It takes me a really, really, really long time. And it's something I'm actually trying to work on because I don't think it's one of my strengths. From beginning to end, I will usually calendar out all of my videos, usually for the month I'm in as well as the month right afterwards. So As of right now, I have obviously all of my June videos finished and most of my July video ideas finished as well. So I'm always trying to plan ahead that way. Then when it actually comes down to filming, I usually try and film one or two videos in the same day just so I can kind of get them all over with. And then I try and do all of my filming pretty much for the full day, if not an additional day after that. Then comes the editing. (laughs) So there's two parts of editing. At least that's the way I like to think about it. The first is your dry cut. So you upload all of the footage onto your computer of every single shot that you've taken for the video. And usually for me, that amounts to about, I'm going to say two hours. Then in the dry cut, you're basically going to cut all of that down to the actual good footage that you want to use. I end up narrowing it down from about two hours to 30 minutes in the first day that I'm editing. So that's usually day one. Then the next stage is to basically do all of the the floof and adding in all of the fun text and the zooms or the audio or whatever else you want to add to your video. And that usually ends up taking a lot more time than I always account for, which is weird because you'd think I would know by now, but like most of the time I just don't. So now I've gotten it down to just having two full days of editing. So really it's about 20 to 30 hours for one video, if I'm being honest, which is really freaking crazy. That's that's way too much. If you're listening to this and you make videos, that's way too much. Like don't take my advice. I want to get better about it. I just don't really know how because I'm kind of a perfectionist and I really want to make sure that my quality is good and what I want to say is well executed and I just never want to upload a video that I'm not 
fully invested in. So it's going to take me time to just kind of look through it and make sure I have all of the best shots or all of the best words and yada, yada, yada. Then something I always neglect too is the actual uploading process. So exporting my file from my editing processor, which I use Final Cut Pro, onto YouTube and then actually adding the title, making a thumbnail, adding tags to your video. All of that usually takes me at least another hour or two, which is something I literally every single time always forget. And I'm usually done with my video about like midnight or 1am the day before it's going to go live. And then I'm up until four, finishing the thumbnail, finishing the title, the tags, whatever else. (laughs) So (laughs) that's not good. Again, I'm really trying to work on it because to me, time is so, so valuable. And if I can get back more time in my day to be making more content for you or just to have even more like time for self-care or just relaxation or time with Reese or Keith or something like that to me is so important. I don't know why she's barking. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, this is a really good question. Are YouTubers making more than they let on? AKA, are they making more money than they're telling you? If I'm being quite honest, I think yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Here's the thing. I don't make that much money on YouTube. I probably make about, I don't know, minimum wage, but like for Seattle, which is about $15. So I probably make about minimum wage, maybe a little bit more than that. But that's just strictly from AdSense. Then you have to account in for all the other streams of income. But let's just say, for instance, it's just AdSense or maybe a few sponsorships. Based on your numbers and your engagement, you can get a pretty decent check for sponsorships. Like it always amazes me when I think about what some YouTubers are probably getting paid to talk about products that have millions of followers. I can't even fathom it. I would bet that some of their sponsorships at the minimum Oh my golly, do I even want to do this math? They have to be, I don't know, $20,000 or so, like minimum. I mean, that's just my guess, but based on what I know, I think that's pretty darn accurate. And if that's true, that's crazy. That is one two-minute clip. That is absolutely wild. Wild. And that's one sponsorship. One sponsorship. And who even knows? It could be way, way higher than that. And then when you start adding all of these income streams together, they have to be making racks. They have to be making racks. I mean, oh my golly. Yeah, they're making a lot of money. I think a lot of YouTubers don't talk about it for a few reasons. One, I think a lot of times you're not legally allowed to disclose how much you'd be making from a sponsorship. And also, I think sometimes it would just absolutely decrease your relatability if you find out that your favorite celebrity is a millionaire and not somebody who is, you know, just kind of in the same living situation as you might be. Okay, the next question is, when and how did you start making an income off of YouTube? And also just to reiterate, I will do a full episode just on the business side of YouTube because it's absolutely so fascinating to me. I don't know if it is to you or not, but it's something that just, oh my gosh, it makes me so excited. 
But to give a brief overview, essentially there is a short process that you kind of need to go through in order to become a part of the YouTube partner program, which is essentially how you get monetized for all of your videos. There are a few requirements and they do seem really scary when you're trying to achieve them, but I promise if you are a creator and you're watching this, oh my gosh, listening to this, I'm not a podcaster yet. If you are listening to this, then I believe in you. You can do this. I know that you can get into the partner program. So the big two requirements are you need 1,000 subscribers on your YouTube channel and also you need 4,000 watch hours, which sounds like the largest number you've ever heard in your life. And trust me, it can feel very daunting, but I believe in you. I promise. I know that you can get there. I absolutely believe in you. And then in addition to those two things, the other requirements are basically just making sure that you're a human and not a robot channel or that you're actually a legitimate person trying to get a following. Then once you reach those milestones, YouTube basically goes into your account, makes sure you are who you say you are, verifies everything, and then they end up actually sending you a verification code in the mail that you have to input into your YouTube account. Again, just trying to make sure that you are a real human being. It ended up being maybe a two-week turnaround for me. I've heard it can be really long for some people. I've heard it can be really quick for others. But I had already set up my AdSense account through Google, which is another step that you need to do if you're looking to actually get money from YouTube. Because I knew I wanted to get money, I already had done this before I was even accepted into the partner program. Um, there are a lot of people who can talk about this a lot better than I can. One of them is the content bug or formerly the content bug, now Catherine Manning on YouTube. She's somebody that has always been a really great resource to me. And if you're listening to this and you're like, Taylor, what the heck are you talking about? You don't make any sense. You can go watch her YouTube channel and she has really, really great tips for anybody starting out. But if you're not a creator and you're just like, what are you talking about? Essentially, you just have to have a thousand subscribers and get a certain number of watch hours in order for you to make money. And for me, that ended up taking me maybe about five months or so. I started my channel in October and I was monetized on February 13th. This question is really cute. She said, how do you cope with so many people knowing who you are? Do you feel somewhat famous? And the absolute complete honest truth is absolutely not. <laughs> like not in the slightest. You know what's so funny is when I first started out on my channel, I think I was a part of... Maybe I even still am. I was a part of a YouTube community page or something of the sorts on Facebook. And it was essentially, I think, through the system TubeBuddy, which is a really great way for you to help improve your channel when you're just starting out. It helps you with tagging your videos with SEO, just getting better analytics. It's a really great tool to use. So anyways, I think I was a part of this program that was built through TubeBuddy. And I kept seeing all of these comments from people that had like 2,000 subscribers or like, I don't know, 3,000 subscribers. And they kept making all of these posts on the Facebook page. Like, I was just recognized in the supermarket today. It was so crazy. And I was just like this little girl who had these goose egg eyes. Like, how in the heck do you have 2,000 subscribers, first and foremost? And second off, people are recognizing you? Like, that's insane. So here I was kind of thinking, all right, I'm going to get like 2,000 subscribers and I'm on my way to stardom, like this is real, this is me, exactly where I'm supposed to be, and it's never happened. <laughs> it's literally never happened. But you know what, I think that's a really good thing for me. I never really look my best in public. I'm always, you know, like going on a walk after I just did a workout and I look absolutely disgusting, or like I'll take Reese out and I'm like wearing my pajamas, like which is just sort of embarrassing and I shouldn't be doing that. But you know, 
I also just, I just don't care that much. But I do think it's better that I don't live in a place like LA where there's so many YouTubers around all the time. I think that would be actually really bad for me and really bad for just my self-confidence in general. I've never lived in LA as an adult. I lived south of LA when I was growing up. But what's interesting about the area now, and maybe it's been like this for forever, but I've always heard influencers or people say that you get to LA and you start to realize all of these things about yourself that you've never realized before. And then all of a sudden you want to start changing them. Like, hey, I think I really want to get lip fillers or hey, I think I really want to get Botox. All of these things that you've never thought about on your face or on your body before, all of a sudden you've kind of become under this magnifying glass because there's so many attractive people around you and everybody else is getting plastic surgery. So why don't you? How did I get off onto this tangent? Jesus. So I guess I really do think it's probably best for me that I don't live in an area like that because I just know it would be so bad for my mental health. On another note, I'm sure that there are so many people that get recognized with the same amount of following that I have in different areas of the world, but I am very much comfortable just kind of being in my own little pocket. I love kind of having the small little online family that I do, but I would never consider myself famous. I hopefully can any of my friends confirm never act like I'm famous please god no (laughs) somebody can somebody leave a comment just letting me know please like now I'm like really very hyper aware of that I don't want to be that person I don't want to be that person you know what's funny is like whenever I'm with friends or family they are always the ones that bring up YouTube or they bring up Instagram, or they bring up whatever happens. I'm really glad I'm not that person that's like, so everybody, did you um, happen to see my latest video? I mean, like, sometimes I'm like, hey guys, did you, you know, do you actually care what I'm doing with my life? Like, do you support me? But most of the time, I'm never the one that's going to bring up anything I'm doing online in person, because like, who wants to be that person? Like, everybody does their own type of work. I just do work that happens to be exploited all over the internet. But does anybody really care? No, not at all. So like, why would I shove it down your throat? I definitely don't let it go to my head. I definitely just go with the flow. Okay, how do you feel about seeing and hearing yourself on camera? You know what's so funny is that I absolutely hate it. <laughs> like you'd think that you'd go into doing this, like you'd go into making YouTube videos being like, Heck yeah, like I get to see myself on the screen all the time. I started a podcast because I love the sound of my voice. When really that is absolutely not true. It is actually quite the narcissistic profession and that's just me being blunt about it. But truly, this is how the process works. You decide to make a YouTube video, so then you spend the full day filming yourself on camera. Seeing yourself on camera, hearing yourself talk just being all around the camera. Then you go ahead, you plug your files into the computer, you get all sat down, and then you stare at yourself. You stare at your face for another 20 to 30 hours. At this point, I've been thinking about myself for the entire day. All it is is Taylor, 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 Taylor. I get so bored and so tired of seeing my face and hearing my voice. It's insane. It's actually insane. I think you have to be kind of crazy to be making YouTube videos or to be making podcasts. I can speak firsthand, but it's so interesting because I just have never, I guess, liked seeing myself on camera. Like I really never have. I mean, (laughs) I know when I was really little, I loved to be around the camera. Just the other night, it was my dad's birthday. Happy late birthday, dad. And my family FaceTimed me while they were watching home videos. And I wanted to be 
the center of attention. It was almost like this weird allusion to what my life is like right now. Like, of course, that's the girl who grew up to be the YouTuber. She's trying to steal the spotlight. But like, I really was that child. My favorite video is my sister and I taking a bath together. And don't say it's gross because it's normal and we were children. We're taking a bath together and my sister, I think, is filming us or my dad's filming us or something like that. This sounds so weird on a podcast. Do I want to talk about this? Whatever. We were like three years old. So we're taking a bath and we start performing because what else would you do when the camera is on you and you're taking a bath together? So I start singing the chicken dance. I don't want to be a chicken. I don't want to be a duck. So I shake my butt and I start shaking my little booty all in front of the camera because I just want all the attention. And my poor, sweet little sister, Paige, God bless you, Paige. She just, she just wanted the attention too, but she just couldn't grasp it in the same manner. (laughs) So she starts trying to sing the 12 days of Christmas, the 12 days of Christmas, Paige. Let me just give you a little tip for any future musicals that you choose to be a part of. 12 Days of Christmas is not the most popular song in the soundtrack. So this poor little girl starts going, On the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me. And she doesn't stop. She doesn't stop. And the whole time... I'm standing behind her, wiggling my butt, giving her bunny ears, because I'm trying to get the camera and the attention all back on me. Like, that's my goal. And my poor sister is just like, five golden rings. I was laughing so hard watching it back. And it's just that one video that my family laughs at, even though we know it by heart every single time it gets us. That to me is just the epitome of like me as a child. But I also feel like as I've grown older, even though I've happened to take up a hobby of recording myself and filming myself, I've just not developed in the way that you would think I would as being that child that was in front of the camera. Truly, I started YouTube because it was just a huge passion of mine and I just love film and I love editing and I think it is so much fun. And I've never wanted the fame behind it. That's actually something that kind of terrifies me, like getting bigger or getting more subscribers kind of scares the shit out of me because I don't think I would be good at it. Like I don't know what I would do with myself. So I'm perfectly okay kind of staying in like a small little bubble, maybe losing subscribers. Totally cool with me. (laughs) Okay. I think this is a good question to end on. Would you still be doing YouTube if you never grew bigger? I again want to emphasize that I don't think that I'm a big YouTuber by any means. And I didn't want anybody to think that by me coming out with a podcast either. Like I don't have a big head on my shoulders and I really hope that if anything, this podcast can hopefully have you see that as well. But I do think something that is important is just being able to be recognized in some way. And whether that's on YouTube or whether that's in your job or in class, doing your homework assignment, doing your massive term paper, whatever it is, I think as humans, we like to be recognized for the hard work that we do. So I think it is natural to think that seeing more subscribers come in, seeing more views come in can translate as success. I think it's really, really important to not get caught up in that mindset because you never want to 
be in something for the numbers. I would never be doing YouTube if it wasn't for my passion for creating content, creating videos, editing videos. And truly, I think I've said this before, but I'm going to continue to reiterate it. I don't think that you would last if you didn't have a passion for YouTube. If you're in it for the money, if you're in it for fame, it's just not going to work out because of how much hard work goes into making videos. And I didn't really understand that until I got into it myself, but there is so much more that I didn't realize was behind the scenes or there's just so much more time that goes into doing things. Some people upload videos every single day. I could never imagine that just because maybe my brain is not that creative or maybe I'm just not that on top of things or I just couldn't turn around my videos in time. That impresses the heck out of me. It's something I could never do, but it's something that I admire the heck out of. But I truly don't think you could upload every single day if you don't have a passion for it. I just don't. And I think that passion in my eyes, is always very evident. And for me, it's always very easy to see people that are in it for the wrong reasons. Of course, when you start a YouTube channel, you're going to be a little bit focused on your numbers or your ratings, or even when we're talking about the partner program, trying to get monetized on YouTube, you basically have to focus on your numbers. You need 1,000 subscribers, you need 4,000 watch hours, or you're not going to monetize your talent. And ultimately, that's what everybody wants to do in their life anyways. I mean, I think it would be crazy to say that you wouldn't want your absolute passion to become your career. I think that anybody would really love that. Maybe that's me optimistically speaking here, but I think that's a really cool darn thing. Darn thing. (laughs) Getting back to the question, yes, absolutely, I would still be doing YouTube if I didn't have any subscribers. I think it's really, really amazing that I've gotten to this point where I can make a little bit of money off of YouTube and I can have, you know, a little bit of you all to follow me around. Like that's amazing that you actually want to watch my videos or hear what I have to say. Thank you so darn much. I don't know why you would, but I'm so grateful that you do. I think it's really helpful to know that maybe I'm doing something right if there are people that do want to subscribe and, you know, my numbers do go up. But I don't think that matters to me at the end of the day. What matters is my passion for creating videos, my passion for connecting with you all. Seriously, that's become, I think, my absolute favorite thing about YouTube or that has come as a result of making videos is being able to meet you because you live across the world from me and you are some of the coolest people I've ever met in my entire life. And that inspires the heck out of me because if I can connect with you, people that are so kind so motivational, people that inspire me to be a better me, then that to me is worth every single day of hard work without recognition. Hands down, case closed, bring in the dance and lobsters. This was definitely a little bit of a longer episode, but to be honest, I feel like my first episode I was just so nervous about. I kind of wanted to make it a little bit shorter, but tell me how you like the variance of length. I don't really know what is best for you. I don't want it to be too long. I don't want it to be too short, but tell me what you think. Like I mentioned, we can dive so much more into YouTube and I will make a few more episodes just all about everything else that you're probably still wondering. But thank you so much for tuning into another episode of Don't Get It Twisted. I hope that you enjoyed this. Please let me know your thoughts. Don't forget to give this a beautiful five-star review because you are beautiful. Follow me on Instagram at Taylor Woods with two L's or send me in any questions that you might have at hello at twistypot.com. I love you all so much. Thank you so much for listening, my friends. Stay tuned for another episode next week where we will get a little bit untwisted, baby. Love you all. Stay safe.